You're listening to Arrowhead Radio. Do my prejudices influence communication of the gospel? What is my position as a Christian on mission? Is Christianity compatible with other religious expression? Is evangelism simply white colonization? Do all expressions of faith lead to the same ultimate outcome? We can boldly face the relativism that is influencing missions and overtaking the clear message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Join us as we discuss complex issues facing the local church as it serves Christ in obedience to the Great Commission. This is Mission of the Nations with host Grant Fawcett. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Mission of the Nations. This is uh, post-camp recording, so um, I'm feeling a little weary, and uh, so if I say things that are nonsensical, I guess I can edit them out. But anyway, I've got my friend Andrew Arden here. Uh, who hasn't been, we just checked, he was a guest um, with us for episode four, way back, uh, two or three years ago. Way, way back. Yeah, so uh, a lot has happened since then, and uh, we can talk about that and where Andrew is now. Uh, we're going to be focusing on uh, talking about church planning and, and all the exciting things that go with that. So it's good to have you, Andy, as always, to uh, to chat and shoot the breeze and talk about Bible things and theology things and mission things. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess I don't really remember where our lives were when you were here last, but um, some things have happened that have changed the circumstances of where you live and the work that you were involved in. So so why don't you give us a bit of a preamble and we can chat about, like, what has I, I guess we never talked ahead of time about how much detail we want to go into about what's led you to where you are, but oh, that's completely fine. We can talk because that's part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. So I used to be pastoring here locally. I was your pastor, and yeah. you were eldering with me, and that ended uh, three and a half years ago. That's crazy. I think it was before COVID. Yeah. It was two thousand and eighteen. I think uh, nineteen. It was the spring of nineteen. Okay. That that ended. So, and now it's the summer of 22. So, that's insanity. Yeah. But somewhere between three and three and a half years, I believe. So, yeah, after finishing my ministry here pastorally, uh, we began looking for where God was calling us next. And it's the best way to probably explain the story is to go back uh, 10 years beforehand. We, Kayla and I, my wife, uh, we were dating at the time before we were married and third-year students at New Brunswick Bible Institute. We went on a one-week missions trip to Pax North Church in Halifax. I did not know that. Yes. so That is an interesting part of the story. Yeah, back when we were dating, we were young, and working with street-level people, that was a big part of the heartbeat of Pax North. And they're calling. uh, They were meeting at a school then, and that church was only, I want to say three, four years max old okay. at the time. Yeah. Uh, it was a church play at the north end of the city. And yeah, we were there for the week, but I was picking the pastor, Brad Summers, his brain the whole week because I was really interested in church planting there. And I was thinking God was going to call me into church planting. The next year, I did a internship at Parkside Baptist Church because, again, I was feeling a call to urban ministry. 
did my focus that year on pastoral ministry, but like a research project I had to do, it was like all on church planting and I was geared up for church planting then. Wow. But then, as you know, ended up here in Cumberland Bay pastoring in the middle of the woods, New Brunswick. Yes. Totally opposite of urban. Yes. It doesn't get less urban than. Yeah. And also it doesn't get less church planting. The church was 175 years old. So older than Canada, older than the country. And then after that, God led us back to Pax North Church. I became the, pa- or not pastor resident, the church planting resident on staff. And it when we first landed there, about a month in, it was the first members meeting, and Kayla and I were there giving our testimony, telling our gospel story to the membership. And it was like a week, um, 10 years gone by, like 10 years to the very week, like we were on that missions trip that we were at the members what? meeting at PAX. So it was like this 10-year full circle huh. of deserting this call to plant and then actually doing it 10 years later. Huh. So, but yeah, that ministry like at Parkside and then in Cumberland Bay, I felt was super formative yeah. and fruitful for me personally. Uh, in some ways, I would say like those first seven and a half years at Cumberland Bay, uh, pastoral ministry was learning how to do ministry a lot of it and teaching myself as I went along and getting counsel from others and also learning how not to do ministry, making a few mistakes along the way. So uh, definitely thankful for all my time there. Yeah. Here in Cumberland Bay. That's crazy. I didn't realize some of that. Yeah. Huh. And yeah, I guess that's all sort of come together as you've gone there and sort of realized that's. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it was neat, like making connections uh, and like connecting those dots yeah. then like we have some pictures of Brad from like 10 years ago and like one of the elders there and you know it's like 2007 like they have okay. changed a lot and, so yeah. when did so you said it was four years I worked downtown Halifax yeah until 2007 so I guess I guess his church was planted when I was it was right around then I think Pax is 14 or 15 years old now interesting yeah so he would have been they might not have even been having services then. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So they first started, um, well, this is very much like how church planning is. They started in Brad's house. Right. Does uh, he live in the same place? Yeah, he's still there. Okay. living in the same house um, in the north end, uh, just like very close to the community of uh, Mulgrave Square. Yeah. Uh, or Mulgrave Park, uh, which is a low-income low part of the city. Uh, originally, I think it was established as part of the Africville move. Okay. Uh, which was when they needed to make the McKay Bridge. It was right into the community of Africville. Yeah. Uh, so they threw the like belongings, uh, household goods of all of these African Nova Scotians into the city dump trucks and forcibly yeah. moved them into different communities. Yeah. And one of those was Mulgrave. Yeah. Uh, so Brad lives pretty close to there. They started out in his house uh, and then pretty quickly it went to the Marquis. If you're familiar, it's a bar in Halifax. Yeah. And then... A school, and then Souls Harbor Rescue Mission they were renting on Sundays. Okay. Uh, maybe Saturdays, actually, too, for a while. And then finally, the last location Pax North has been in has been renting from All Nations Christian Reformed Church. Oh, really? In the north end of Halifax, uh, meeting in the afternoons. And now it's been, like, the longest time any one location has been there. Okay. That church, All Nations, is, yes. is that on Roby Street? Yeah, corner corner oh, of Roby okay. and Charles, big brick building. I remember I drove by it every day, and yep. I, w- I wondered what it was because I never I didn't realize it was Christian Reform. Yeah, CRC Church. Huh. Yeah. And so they meet in there. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Okay. What a story, though. Like that's really cool. And so now, 
your ministry has been for the last two years, mm-hmm. very particular, and yeah. you've, you've been also working at the same time. And Yeah, totally. So uh, let me fill in a bit of that. Uh, we landed in Halifax on staff at PAX February 2020. And then March 2020, uh, the world changed. Uh, we went into lockdown with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which was a global event. Really cool, though. In case um, any of our listeners have missed yes. what happened there, yeah. that, was, that was a disease. Maybe they'll be listening, someone will listen to this like 200 <laughs> years from now or yeah. something. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we ended up moving to Halifax, locked down like almost immediately after we moved into our house we were renting. That's brutal. Yeah, but also providential because I think if that timeline had been in reverse and it was even like a month earlier... PAX might not have hired us because no, every church was scrambling. Like, what is this? What do we do? Right. Um, some church had to let go of staff. It was very hard for churches. Yeah. So February 2020, I started as the church planting resident. Which, time out. Yes. And I think that that's an important thing, even as mission of the nations. Like, yeah. as Christians, considering what missions are, like, I think it's an important thing for us to recognize that that. The last two years was hard for churches and pastors. Absolutely. Here at Arrowhead, we have a ministry that offers a place of rest to pastors. And Mm -hmm. it was used by pastors who were burnt out because they got abused by their congregations whose opinions became more important than truth at some times. Yeah. And and it was like, as a guy in a parachurch who sees all these churches, it was apparent to me that pastors were just being flogged by graceless Christians. Yes. And I think we yeah. need to look back because we've all gone, okay, pandemic's over. Like mm-hmm. now we can go back to real life. And and I think that Christian people who care need to look back and examine how they treated their church leadership. Yeah. Because yeah. that's important. And you need to ask yourselves sort of how how that influenced the ministry and how if you need to repent, you need to get on that mm-hmm. before time proceeds. Anyway, that was yeah. the rabbit trail. Well, that's, that's good. And I, I would also encourage pastors to look back at the last two and a half years and honestly reflect on how it's hit them yeah. and take the break they need to, break, uh, yes. to take, right? Yes. So, because even beforehand, there was a lot of conversation going on here in Atlanta, Canada about pastoral burnout. Yes. Lots of concerns for that. I had a season of burnout uh, here in Cumberland Bay. Yes. I know other guys who had and the pandemic did not help that. So no. I always encourage pastors to make use of sabbaticals, talk that out with their church, always take their vacation days, take their day off every week. Uh, it can be a huge struggle. That's not always easy, but uh, if something comes up, make up for it later. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I so, wasn't trying to suggest that all pastors did everything right because. Oh, probably none of them certainly did. Certainly yes. some yeah. didn't. But yeah. I think Christians largely that sit in pews, at least here at Atlantic Canada, have tended to be really ambivalent and yep. graceless. And, yeah. and yeah. I think they need to like repent. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And, and really thankful for um, God's timing in bringing us into PAX North because uh, having myself on staff was able to see graciously that God used me behind the scenes to support and help set up some of even like the structure for the church, uh, how we stay connected and communicated, yeah. jump into the preaching. Like it was just the Lord's timing. And so thankful for even how Pax North responded in the pandemic. Right. Early on, the elders said like a lot of churches are going to go into this um, 
mode of protection and self-preservation. Yeah. Uh, but we're not going to do that. Yeah. We're going to continue to be on mission. So PAX actually said we're going to give 20% of what comes in over these, like the first wave of the pandemic for community relief. Wow. So, yeah. and we were fine. Like yeah. we're still here. Like our church is thriving, surviving right. beyond that. Right. Like God's been good. Well, like the parable yeah. of the talents. Yeah. Right? Like that applies. Yeah. And we did not feel God called us to just like bunker down. Right. When the world was on fire. I was talking to a friend who is a pastor and he said that one of these government agents came to their church to like make sure they were complying or whatever. And he invited them to stay for the nice. service. Right. Yeah. Like, of course. Yeah. Right. But how many of us, like my, I, I guarantee you that wouldn't have been me probably. Mm -hmm. If that person had come to our church, I would have been like, get yeah. Right. But he was like, no, nah, you want to stay for church? Like we do things about loving Jesus and loving people and you should stay. Cool. Right. And, yeah. and I was, that was a bit of a rebuke to me. Like, but mm -hmm. I think churches that leaned into obedience in, in the full meaning of the word, I think God blessed those. Yeah. A lot of churches have closed. Oh that yeah. Hunkered yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, to go back to your question yeah. on uh, just that timeline for us in our story of the church planting residency, like the last two years in particular, before I talk about what we're doing now. February 2020, hired on staff as a part-time church planting resident. So I was doing like a side gig to help pay the bills as well. Yeah. And then the first year of the residency, I love this approach. Not every residency is like this. Not yeah. every church plant is like this. But I would lean into like, this is the way it should be done or close to it. Okay. The first year, Pax North saw this residency as affirmation of calling. Mm. So even though I already had, you know, depending on how you count the internship, like anywhere from like seven and a half to nine years of pastoral experience. Right. They just didn't want to say, oh, you should go plant a church for us. Some of that was for myself to get to know the church, the church to know me, Yeah. for us to determine... Um, that I wasn't just lying on my resume and what people had observed from a distance, but really know my character. Yes. Uh, and also that I had the particular gifting and calling to be a church planter. Oh, yeah. Because uh, there's some uniqueness, for sure, than right. just, like, stepping into an established work. Right. Uh, everything's new. Everything is fresh, right? There's no tradition. Uh, you're starting everything from scratch. Yeah. Hopefully not reinventing the wheel, but it, it is all new and somewhat entrepreneurial. Right. So there, uh, and there can be a particular set of discouragements. Yeah. Uh, there can be a particular set of spiritual warfare dynamics, right? right. Because yeah. you are starting uh, a new outpost for the kingdom where you believe to be strategic, to, to gain ground for Christ, uh, take it from Satan. So he's not happy about that. Right. Right. So when we also moved... Um, so yeah, the first year, I should actually finish this. Uh, the first year, all affirmation of calling. Yeah. And then after a year, the elders mm -hmm. said, yes, Andy, we believe you are called to plant a church. Go plant. We're going to send you out. Yeah. So the second year was assessment and training and preparation. Yeah. So we're planting out of PAX North Church. That's our sending church. Uh, denominationally, you could say, affiliated with fellowship. Uh, the Fellowship Baptists of Canada, yeah, and also working with a network called Acts 29. Right, which people will know, possibly. Yeah, oh. there's another podcast. 
uh, the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which uh, dives a little bit into uh, the history and the background of Acts 29. Oof. Uh, oof. All yeah. I'll say is oof. I yeah. listened to that podcast and oof. Yeah. <laughs> I always find it hard to describe how I feel about the podcast. It's yeah, complicated it and is. we could do a whole episode about that, but I do think there's some very good elements. Yeah. And it's important for people who are involved with Acts 29 to listen to. And also I would even say church planting because one episode or, or two, I think, is focused on church planting. Yeah. And even I thought one of the most positive episodes, because uh, some were kind of like, you know, dark, dark, hard topics to listen to. Yeah. But one of the most encouraging ones was very focused on church planting. Yeah. And the actual origins of Acts 29. So the book of Acts only has 28 chapters. So this is like the story continues. Yeah. Acts 29 is a network, global network of church plants that are now planting churches. Right. So every church in Acts 29 is a church that is planning on sending out a church plant pretty soon and like continuing to do that. Yeah. Or is in fact a church plant. Yeah. Uh, So really like everyone's thinking church planting has done it. We're in the trenches together and resourcing one another. Right. Uh, So I did like assessment with Acts 29. They gave me some conditions. Like we know we see these blind spots. We see these strengths. So work on these over the next like 12 months. You didn't have to do like a personality profile, did you? Not for Acts that's, 29 that's assessment. A big, that's a big trigger. Yeah. So uh, uh, like, yeah, if, I just Enneagram. Like if you were a pie, what kind <laughs> of pie would you be? And then they tell you you're a D personality or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The it disc disc one. So makes, I, makes me sad in all my heart. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> One, a big one that's come out, and I have had to do a, a ton of them for church planting. None, I think, with Acts 29, though. Okay. But have had to do some with different organizations. One that is getting more known in, like, the church planting circles, Christian circles, is called A-Pest okay. by Alan Hirsch. It is and, a pest. Yeah. <laughs> it, it used to be something else, but then they changed it so it's a little more memorable. But it, it like, goes, like, uh, like, apostles, like, apostolic, and then prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, and teaching, which is Ephesians 4. They're trying to do, like, the yeah, apostles, I, prophets. I, I yeah. don't want to sound yeah. overly pejorative. I, yeah. I get that they have their time and place. They make my teeth itch. Yes. I, like, <laughs> yeah. If I could tell one story. Yeah, okay. Uh, go I, I broke one of them. Yeah. It wasn't a That's A-pest. because yeah. they're broken when you yeah. start. Anyway. But I really broke it. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't a pest, but the way it was structured was... Uh, they were like, hey, we're going to show you a bunch of questions, and each question has four options. Yes. And what these are is these are careers. And pick the career you would, like, order them what you would like to do the most to what you would like to do the least. But just so, like, this is a fair assessment, imagine you are equally good at every career option we're going to show you. <laughs> And you make the same salary. Yeah. So like money's not a factor and skills not. Imagine a you're a different person. Yes. And then we'll tell you what you're like. Yeah. yeah so okay. that's exactly what I did. I <laughs> thought, well, if I'm good at everything and money doesn't matter, I'm actually going to go and pick the things I know I would hate and suck at. So I ended up being like this <laughs> pop star musician, <laughs> lawyer, surgeon. They, yeah. they, they called a psychologist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This guy's a sociopath. Yeah. So yeah. I, I told the uh, the group I was doing it for, like, this is how I did it, and they're like, yeah, that's not what we were looking for. If anyone for. gets a 20, lock them up. Yeah. T- and he gets a 10. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so did assessment with Axe 29, yeah. and that was great. Uh, still working through some of like the conditions. Had to do like book reports and things like that. One nice. condition is that we have 20 people uh, who are committed to our church plant. Nice. Yeah, and that they've. I I like that they put that number on there because they've seen that's a bit of a threshold. From moving to we're just doing a Bible study or like this house church thing yeah. to we're gaining traction. Like right. 20 seems to be a bit of a magic number of like a, but gr- that's a not growth like, barrier. That's so. not like a family of two with 17 children. No. Like, yeah. 20 committed adults. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, if you still have, seven, have 17 kids at home, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, now we're really into the phase of actually planting the church. Yeah. There are 26 of us, including my family, that have been sent out from PAX North. Yeah. There's different ways to do church planting, and, and you feel free to ask me about this uh, a little later on, but it's kind of like a mother-daughter relationship where they're giving birth to a new church by like equipping and sending and carrying a lot of the load, the care, I am providing for us. So you so. will continue to function then as an elder of PAX while you do your church plant or no? For now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit... We so dis- make it up dis- as we go, yeah, you could say. Like it yeah. would it would seem to me that like as you're starting decisions and stuff, you would sit in your elders meeting yes. with those guys and they'd be like, Why don't you think about this? And Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And even uh we're inviting a few other people to like that conversation with some of the particulars of what we do are doing, who right. also are elders in a church and have experienced church planting. Yeah. Uh because we do understand too, like as much as there's a dynamic of when do I stop my shepherding role at PAX, there is like, well, we're another church, so right. how much can the elders really be boots on the ground infested right. in what we're doing? Yeah. So the goal is that we Sometimes have sustain- the fledgling has to leave the yeah, nest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we would love to have our own plurality of elders, right, as right. the New Testament says. Yeah. Uh, but on the in-between, like, yeah, there's a lot of uh, PAX is involved. The elders are affirming uh, like our statement of faith, membership covenant, all of those things, like budget, all get approved by the PAX elders. So there's accountability there yeah. as well, for sure. Yeah. So, so yeah, 26 of us being sent out, like that's our launch team. And those people have committed from 18 months to three years uh, uh, that yeah. they're in. And we, we had that marker because in some of the readings I was doing, they're like in the difficulties of planting and the fact you know, it's very new. Some people might have the expectations like, oh, well, this is just going to be like my old church. Right. But it's it can be very different and life seasons can change. Yeah. So we have those markers in place, like whether it's 18 months or like, you know, two and a half years or three and a half years. Like we both agreed we're going to check in at that point. Yeah. And both of us could say, hey, we don't think this is a good fit. Right. And you're doing. You were really like helping out at PAX, like head, head back there. Yeah. Uh, so it's not awkward. So the, yeah. the, the, I have a misconception, and, yeah. and it might be one that people generally have. But yeah. like as we, there was a time mm-hmm. in my past when I was in a church where things were very difficult, mm-hmm. and I found myself thinking this would be so much easier if we could just start over. Mm-hmm. And and that's a cop out. Like that's a runaway. Yes. But. But I would guess that it also is uninformed by the realities of church planting. Like yeah. People mm-hmm. are still people. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? Like there's yeah. this thing sometimes we'll say around here, like, you know, ministry would be easy if it wasn't for people. Yeah. Right? Like that's the point. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It is. And 
God is doing a work already. Like I've seen on our team and in our team and our team's not perfect. Right. And God is working out like our sanctification and conflict already like with, with one another. Um, but we're also family together right. already too. Right. And it's cool. Yeah. And there's a unique tension in planting and Brad has observed this so well in Halifax, he's been there for 15 years now, but he's seen a lot of churches start in Halifax and end already in the time he's been there. Wow. And a big part of that is they're like, hey, we're going to come and we're going to bless, say, like the North End or the West End, or we're going to live really close to Uniac Square or Mulgrave Park. And that's the mission. So they start and they put up their website. And what happens, uh, this is a church thing. I don't think it's just Atlanta, Canada, although it's definitely a thing here that disgruntled Christians from other churches, right? when they see the new church, yes. they see grass is greener. That's right. And so they start to go there. 100%, that's yeah. what happened during COVID. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, like yeah. I'll talk mm-hmm. to some pastors and they'll be like, yeah, we lost a lot of people. Yeah. Because, you know, whatever. And yeah. then there, be, they'll talk to another yeah. church mm-hmm. that had a different approach. Yeah. Like, yeah, our church grew in leaps and bounds. Absolutely. And, and it's not because they were doing evangelism necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I think that some of that happened. I think there were some people who were afraid and went to the church. Yeah. And that was good. But I think by and large, it was just sheep shifting. Yes. And so we recognize even as a church plant that uh, Christians do need to leave churches, uh, whether they are moving into a new city or there can be abusive pastors and abusive churches to like specific congregants, or they honestly feel called. I was just preaching here in Chipman, Today, but I said, if anyone's moving to Halifax or you have a student coming for a few years, yes, like we would love to talk about a conversation of sending and joining us. Yeah. Uh, so there are great reasons Christians can come to a church. Yeah. But often it's I'm disgruntled with my old church. I'm going to come, but then they talk to the planter about, but this is how we used to do it at our church, right. and I really miss that. Yeah. And it might not be the original call uh, to that community. Right. Uh, or it might not be something that's present. Like right now, for example, what I mean by that, we don't have anyone over 45 for sure on our team, right? Yeah. So imagine like, you know, some people in their 60s and 70s come in and they say, you know, we really loved the seniors ministry at our church. And we think we could do like great seniors outreach. We should sh- like a lot of our programs, a lot of our money should just go to senior stuff. Right. Uh and then recognizing maybe there's not even a lot of seniors in the community we're planting in, right? Right. It quickly becomes the disgruntled Christians steal the vision of the church. Right. So the church loses its identity. It loses its calling. It can even move from its location out to the suburbs where these new Christians come from, or yeah. the, sorry, new congregants come from. Yeah. And then the church just fizzles because it's it's lost its distinctiveness. Right. Yeah. So th- yeah. There, there's a unique trial to planting in that sense. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and and we can lend ourselves to the easy thing, right? Yes. So you might be planning a church in a difficult area, and you get a bunch of like rich whitey folks that yep. come from another area, and the area you're trying to minister to are no comfortable anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's done. yeah, oh, it's, totally, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, huh. rich white people aren't always easy. Uh, well, no, but yeah. but you know what I mean, right? I do. Like, yeah, there, we have to do cultural stuff, absolutely hard stuff. Like you have to yeah. be used to. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one reason I think God calls us to church planting is for this need for contextualization. Yeah, uh, people think 
differently even in the community we're planting in, which I don't think we've gotten to this yet, Spryfield right. is where we're planting. Yeah. Spryfield is part of the city of Halifax, yeah. but it is off of the peninsula. Uh, so when we talk north end, west end, downtown, like we're used, used to work, driving on Roby Street, that's all peninsula. Yeah. And Spryfield is off of that. Um, it takes us about 15 minutes to drive from our house in Spryfield to Pax North Church. Okay. But even once you get off of the peninsula and into Spryfield, there's a different feel. It urbanized later, so it feels a little bit more like community feel, right. but it also feels more diverse in some ways because of the low-income housing and the poverty needs in Spryfield. Yeah. The government has placed a lot of immigrants there. Yeah. Uh, a lot of um, contacts then like continue and people are, are moving in. Like For example, in Spryfield, we have... Um, what I believe is the only, there might be one in Cape Breton, but um, on mainland Nova Scotia, I think the only Sikh temple oh, wow. uh, in Nova Scotia is in Spryfield. Whoa. And it just reopened. They expanded, and they now have a capacity for 1,000 worshipers. Whoa. They're open seven days a week from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. Wow. I just was talking this week to one of the employees at McDonald's, and we got into a conversation. It was really cool. I was able to introduce that I was a pastor and talk a little bit about what they meant. Yeah. And I was suspicious because uh, I was seeing some markers that she might be Sikh. So I asked her and she's like, yeah, I'm Sikh. And I go there like once every day. Like she Whoa. goes to like her center of worship. She's like, I wish I could go like twice, but I can't get there. Wow. So, yeah. So, wild. yeah. That's, so there's a huge religious expression. Yeah. That is not traditional Canadian, right? Like that Sikhism comes from India. <laughs> And by a thousand person capacity wow. in Halifax, in Spryfield. That's bigger so. than any of the evangelical Christian churches. Yes. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Um, the biggest one would only see, how big would, the biggest um, one wouldn't be the Rock Church or Stone there, there might be a couple of buildings that would be close. Close, but. In Halifax, Nova Church might be there, uh, but they also might be renting like theater space right. or like big space. Uh this is pretty, no matter what, this is like not normal wow. for the size of a worship gathering. That's wild. I had a friend who lived in Spryfield and I remember being there and yeah. and being concerned that I might be shot. Yes. Yeah. So Spryfield is a community in Nova Scotia that has had a history of drug violence, drug yeah. warfare. Yeah. In the 90s and the 2000s, there was the families called the Marriott's and the Melvins okay. uh, who were fighting uh, over drugs and turf and, you know, killing each other. Uh, so a lot of it was like known crime yeah. uh, where the victim and the assailant knew each other. Uh, there still were drive-by shootings, things like that. Uh, yeah. I talked to one guy who saw Jimmy Melvin Jr. get shot and was very afraid for his life yeah. uh, because of that. Uh, I've talked to lots of people who grew up in those circles and uh, have seen the effects of drug or like themselves addicted yeah. Uh, because of that. And there still is the effects of that in the economy, the, the economics, the brokenness, mm -hmm. for sure, in Spryfield. Uh, we just moved, and, and recently there was a woman who was stabbed to death at the end of our street Goodness. Uh, before we moved there uh, like three or four months ago. So wow. um, that happens now like no more than other parts of like Halifax. Like Spryfield really has cleaned up as much as we're talking about 
the past yeah. and there's low income apartments. There's like million dollar homes. Yeah. Uh, beautiful waterfront property. The nations are coming in. Gentrification is happening. The community is changing. It's yeah. growing. Yeah. Uh, they just approved 1,250 lots, residential oh. lots in wow. Spryfield. Apartments are going up around like every corner, it seems like. Wow. So the peninsula is full. So it's yeah. all like coming out to Spryfield right. and other areas. So that's another reason we're starting a church, not just because the community is unique. Right. Um, and as if we have each unique community, we should have a church there. Right. Um, but also like the current churches that are there either have lost the gospel yeah. um, through maybe their denominational tradition or just a heart for the community. Like they might have truth, but they've kept it to themselves yeah. and are quite content to. So like that was yeah. something I was going to yeah. like talk about mm-hmm. because, you know, I've, I've heard this said about Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. Why, why do we need missionaries in Canada? Right? Mm-hmm. Like we've talked about it on the podcast. But yes, I, you, you also hear people say, well, why are we, why do we have church plants? There's, like, there's all these churches. And I look around, like I, I, I have this unique opportunity to see churches and pastors. And I said to someone recently, like if someone, I, I get called sometimes from people at West, my friend's moving to the Maritimes. Is there a church in this town? And most of the time I have to be like, no. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, Chipman's got all kinds of churches, but there's only one or two I'd send people to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. One certainly I would send people to, which is ours. But, but most towns don't have one I would point to and say, yeah, that's a really good church. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and some of the mainline denominations in the Maritimes have made horrific, um, I would say almost apostate decisions in the last couple of years. That is driving them just further and further away from the truth. And, yeah, you know, it, it's showing. It's mm-hmm. showing so brightly that, that, that their, their lights are out or going out. Like, it's ridiculous. Yes. And that question could be thrown at us because, you know, I already said I'm 15-minute drive from our sending church in right. the north end of Halifax. Right. For many Atlantic Canadians, like a 15-minute drive to church uh, would be coveted. Right. Right. To have a church healthy, close to you, only 15 minutes away. Right. Um, some Christians have to drive over an hour. Right. To worship on a Sunday here in our region. Yeah. Uh, if our church yeah. had closed, my wife and I had a conversation. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. would we go to church? Mm-hmm. And the only church within an hour's drive is in Gary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. It would, mm-hmm. it, we would be distant members. Yes. Absolutely. We wouldn't feel fully connected. But, yeah, and, you, just, and you'd be stunted in some of your connections and like effectiveness right. with the church 100%. because of that. Yeah. yeah. So why would we start another congregation only 15 minutes away? And some of that does come down to the uniqueness of the community. Yeah. Uh, with Spryfield, there is a good population that doesn't own a car. Yeah. Uh, they take the bus. Uh, the bus would be about a half hour, 40 minutes if you make good connections to Pax North. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, a decent commitment. For somebody who doesn't know Jesus, yeah, who's like, why would I even go to church yeah. anyway? Like, why would I give up an hour one way to get there? Right. Uh, that that's one thing. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is like even some of the community dynamics in Spryfield. We have a community there called Greystone, uh, which is all public housing. Okay. Uh, also originated with the Africville move. Yeah. And poor city planning, there is only one road that goes into Greystone and no road that goes out. So, no way. Yeah. So they're kind of like up on a hill by themselves. 
Uh, there's 353 to five bedroom apartments up there that the city runs. So probably like 1,500 people. Heaven forbid there. that road ever close. Yeah, and there's no stores or anything up there. But one of them told me like when I was up there, like, well, a church hasn't been up here like doing anything for like a long time. Like maybe v- VBS Vacation Bible School like 10 years ago. Whoa, was the last time a church was really doing something. There's lots of like food banks and social stuff going on in Greystone. But they said like if we had a Tim Hortons up here. We'd never come off the hill, right? Like we, we would just stay up here forever. Yeah, and right? be eternally frustrated by the poor service. But anyway, yeah, yeah, and and some of them like you know will do like just Uber Eats and right. like just stay home, home yeah. right? So although it is the same city, like to really, and this is unique to Spryfield, like to be there in the community, yeah, doing church. And I do mean that, like, not just hosting a service. Right. This is true of Spryfield, but I really think it's true of most of humanity throughout time. Is It's not that you just, like, put up a sign and say, hey, church is at 11. Right. And people just show up. Right. Uh, that's really rare and, like, the Spirit of God working on them in a unique way. Yeah. It really takes knowing a Christian or a few and for them to walk with you and have a relationship with you. Yeah. And it really helps when they're in your community. Right. For that to happen. Right. So, but another reason we're planting. Right. Yeah. And it's important. Like, I think that the the, the advent of more mm-hmm. biblical healthy churches is necessary in the Maritimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that much like other places, we've we've gotten to the point where Christians generally, or Christians, Maritimers generally feel like good people. Yeah, Like we're good folks. The rest yep. of the world, we're like the nice little yes. brother of Canada yep. and we don't really need anything. And my dad mm-hmm. went to church and I'm good. I'm, I'm good to go. And so, yes. but that ad- attitude has like trickled its way into like, a lot, like it used to be that the word Baptist meant something. Mm-hmm. It used to have like a a particular ideology that would come behind it. But now it means nothing. Yes. Like like you yep. can say Baptist now, and it might mean like stark raving heretic. Like yep. <laughs> like literally. But yeah. that complacency has mm-hmm. trickled into the church, and I think yep. having a solid church in because there's a there's a solid church just up the road from you mm-hmm. in Harrisfield. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's probably the same distance as PAX is from you, is it? Yeah, it would be fifteen uh, minutes about, the other way. Yeah, maybe even ten. Right. Uh but again it's different community. Different community. Right. The bus doesn't go out there. Like we are planting we're looking for a rental spot, but we know it's gonna be right on the new uh, Route Nine uh bus path. Right. Yeah. So that we can get people who take the bus who only walk, uh who wouldn't Maybe even never in their life even gone to Harriet's Field. Right. Uh, Ten minutes away. So yeah. And, and so yeah, we don't feel like we're crowding one another. Uh, probably within a five minutes drive of where we live, there's like twenty five thousand people. Yeah. But in all of the churches, all um, denominations, and uh, you could even see like not even just churches, but like all religious gatherings in Spryfield. Uh, I would say there's only like two hundred on a Sunday. Yeah. So there's plenty of room for growth. Uh, another reason we're planting there, but actually, uh, Tim Keller, uh, who planted in Manhattan yeah. years ago, they did a study after they planted and then from their church planted a bunch of other cities in New York. They surveyed their churches that they planted, but they also surveyed the churches close to their church plants and all across the board, I think, um, or at least it was the significant majority when they saw their churches planted and grow, 
It wasn't just the churches that were planted that grew, but the other churches around them also experienced growth at the same time. Interesting. Yeah, there was like this backwash growth of like a healthy church being just around other churches. That makes sense. Yeah, it, it totally does. And yeah. so we're praying the same thing for Spryfield. Like yeah. if God plants us there and all of the churches thrive, not just in numbers for sure, but in spiritual health, right. that's a win. Yeah, That's such a win for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, and I think there's a lot of room for spiritual growth in in... You know, it's no longer where we can just assume there's a church, it must be good. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, and I think it's great. I really am encouraged that you're planting and you're planting in a hard place and yeah. that you guys are doing it intentionally. And Yeah. So, you know. yeah, we were talking about Baptist and the name and yeah. even yeah. like you can't really be sure I'm, based I'm on super, the church sign. Yeah. I'm super triggered this summer. Okay. Yeah. Because of some things that have happened in the Atlantic Convention of Baptist Churches sure. here. Right. And so I've just got like yeah. angst about like what's happening. Yeah. And so it just comes out. But like it's And that it's might a, be another episode for another time or that maybe, might be, maybe one we shouldn't have. But man, well, yeah. I think it should be had. Yeah. But I think it should be had like with them. So I changed my mind on this, have gotten more open handed with does the denomination affiliation need to be in the name? Right. And, and I think absolutely like churches can do that well, but we chose not to do that. Right. Uh, I do think for like those who we were hoping to reach, that would just like create another wall. A barrier. Yeah. yeah. That we didn't want to have there. Yeah. So our church name that we're planting is called Wayfarer's Church. Yes. Uh, which is the old name for like a traveler. Right. Like the old English word. And it comes from the tradition that those travelers who were on the road, and then, you know, they couldn't drive or take an Uber or a plane. They had to walk. Yeah. You could run into food. You could meet a robber. It could rain. Right. Um, you could be tired, right? So there was this tradition. You could always stop at a local church, and they would give you food and drink. They would let you stay uh, and nourish you until you're ready to go on your way. Yeah. So we, like, carry on that tradition. Uh, we think God is going to come call us to a lot of compassion ministry in Spryfield. But also, like, more than that, we know the bread of life. Yeah. We know the one. You drink from him, you'll never thirst again, the water of life. Yeah. And we are going to make him known. Like, our, our mission statement is we're making the way of Jesus known to yeah. others on their way. And that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. So whether it's, like, five-minute encounter or, like, someone, like, walks with us the rest of their life, we're making Christ known to them. Uh, the first disciples in the book of Acts were known as followers of the way. So yeah. we're going to fare the way. Uh, together and follow Christ. So that's awesome, and yeah. and and I think that that's sort of leads into how you measure your success. Yes, right? because some people might say, "Well, we've only got ten new members yeah. af- after mm-hmm. two years, and yep. we're a failure, right?" Mm-hmm. But maybe you had ten people that were wayfarers. Like yeah. maybe yeah, they absolutely. came and went. Yeah. I mean, that was something I've talked to Perry, our pastor, mm-hmm. about. Yeah, as he pastored in Handytown, and Mm-hmm. Uh, is that how you say it? Hane- is it Hanley Town? Is Hane- it- There's no L. Oh, but I never know D? if it's Haney oh, or Han. I don't know either. It's a place. Yeah. yeah, but but he's near the base, right? So he'd have guys that would mm-hmm. come to his church. They'd lead them to the Lord. They'd get gloriously saved. They'd come to church for four years, and then they'd, they'd get posted to Cold Lake or yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know Trenton or whatever, and they'd leave. Mm-hmm. And so. It was kind of like a wayfarer's thing there too, and his church always had about a hundred people in it, even though over the twenty-five years he probably had, you know, yes. thousands of people that. And so the the measurement of the success is then, 
Yeah. Not in how many people do I have now, right? Like it's how faithful are we and Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, like yeah. maybe it's going to take 5 years. Yeah. to build trust with the guy on the corner who was abused spiritually. Yeah. Right? And, and it might be a struggle for him to come on a Sunday right. or even come to a small group. Like small groups are a big part of our philosophy of ministry. Yeah. Uh, but we also say like, one of our core values is that we walk with compassion. Right. And compassion is a marathon and not a sprint. Right. Right. Like walking with broken people, yeah. uh, people like us. Yeah. Um, but maybe particular needs, uh, whether it's like addictions or a language barrier or yeah. homelessness, uh, you know, they may be very sporadic. Right. In their attendance. Right. And the, the focus is the people. Yes. Not our motive. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Merrill is going to be starting a young adults program mm-hmm. this fall at St. Mary's. Well, he's not necessarily going to have a devotion yeah. the first few times that he's getting together with these young people. Like yes. they're, they're going to get to know each other and they're going to go bowling. And they're, and some people look at that and they go, you can't do that. It's a Bible camp. But, but the focus mm-hmm. is the people yeah. and the goal is to teach them. Yes. And the teaching will come in God's time. Right. Yes, yeah. Like one thing we're doing with our missional communities, which is what we call our small groups, is we are very much trying to um, overlap like our circles. Uh, like we have Christians in our group, but we also want to invite people who are like close to us but far from Jesus. Right. Uh, we would use that label rather than just like unbelievers because they, they don't really think that way. Like I'm an unbeliever and they're not going to introduce themselves to us, but they might say like, well, I'm not really into Christianity or I'm far right. from God. Right. So, uh, and, and I got that from uh, another church planner in the city, Bryce, uh, who's at King's Table. So shout out to Bryce. Uh, but Hey, Bryce. Yeah. Uh, he's a great guy. And in our missional communities, like we very much don't want it to be Bible study. Right. Not that there's not a place for that. And right. actually like. 100%. Like kind of for our core team, our launch team that we already have, we are doing that. We right. are like meeting for Bible study. That's very important. But one of our groups, they've decided that they will uh, just have a meal whenever they get together, you know, invite people in. Uh, hopefully they s- stay, they're regular, they keep coming back. And over the meal, do what a lot of families do, talk about like the best part and the worst part. Right. Uh, or like, you know, your thorns and roses. There's all kinds of like terminology for that. Sure. Uh, and very much when like we who are Christians are sharing very much wanted to say like how God's grace is there in the good, but also how God is meeting us in the struggle and we're looking to him and working it out with him, even if there's no clear answer and it's a complete mess. Right. But our faith is there. Yeah. And hoping that will lead to conversations. Yeah. It's a little bit of a slow game. And I think we do have to be careful for only playing slow game with people. It can just be cowardice. Right. Right. That's like, that's yeah. 100% right. Yeah. Like, because mm-hmm. you can use that as an excuse to like, well, you've never talked to them about Jesus. Well, yeah, we're working on it. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. maybe they need, they're at the mo- moment when you've got to like, like just man up and tell them. Yeah. Jesus uh, yeah. is good mm-hmm. and you should be following him. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And that often that comes with discernment and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes well, we just need to build trust. trust. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. With people. And, if we're always playing the fast game, though, if it's just, hey, you got to believe in God, yeah. we're probably erring on the side of being rude and, and not sensitive to where people are, too. So right. it's, it's, it's both. And. Yeah, it's yeah. both and. But mm-hmm. that whole, like, being too fast thing is easy. It can be a cop-out just as, like, you just hand him a track. Yeah. Like, kill mm-hmm. them all, let God sort them out. Yeah. You don't have to invest any. There's no risk. Yeah. Other than that they throw your track away, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's this balance, like, in everything that... Totally. That's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah. So...
cool. that's a bit about church planning. We that's can quite, talk a lot more about it, but that's just kind of our story yeah. and where we're at now. It'd be cool to come back, you know, in a while, sometime, and say like, how is it still going? Yeah, we should totally the church do that. Yeah. I will put a link in the liner notes to your church's website and how to give, like how to support. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ministry, I can. Uh, yeah, and I uh, would love to have a conversation with people. Uh, about that because we really believe in like partnership yeah uh, that we're like mutually praying for one another and people are tracking with us yeah uh, we really feel God does do a lot of blessing in giving of funds but we want it to be more than that right, right. with people and yeah. meaningful partnership uh, we also want to be like planting pregnant which means like planting with the next church plant in mind so we really want people to be giving because uh, we see it as like a perpetual investment like we yeah. want to keep on coming alongside of Pax North and planting more churches in Atlanta, Canada. Urban so, or? All over. All over. Yeah, all over. Wherever God yeah. leads. Uh, we have talked about going more down towards like the South Shore of Nova Scotia, yeah. um, both like Annapolis Way. Uh, Windsor actually was on Pax's mind for a while. Chester. Windsor, Windsor yeah. could be. Yeah. I know an island that needs a pastor. Yeah, yeah. Full of fishermen. So, so yeah, if you there's, feel, there's lots if you of feel called around. to fishermen, yeah. talk to PAX. Yeah, send me an email, <laughs> andy at wayfarerschurch.ca. Yeah. Uh, our website's currently under construction, but maybe even by the time people will be listening to this, it'll be up. Yeah. So. All right. Cool, yeah, man. man. Thanks a million. Great chat. Yeah. Pleasure. Always a pleasure being here at the camp and being on the podcast. Yeah. We'll talk to you again. This has been a broadcast of Arrowhead Radio a ministry of Arrowhead Native Bible Center. For good Christian resources, visit our bookstore at wabanakibooks.com. Look for a new episode next week wherever you find your favorite podcasts.